You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Listen, this is the first time in the history of these two franchises that they will face off against each other while both of them are number one in their selective divisions. So, you know, I talked about it last night. I'll say it again. This very well could be a preview of the World Series. And how phenomenal would that be? So let's break it down. As always, you know, I'm a gambling woman. So, uh, and, and of course, thank God we got Jake in studio today so I can win another bottle of wine from him. So we got Jake and Jacob who are producing this. <laughs> so who are they're producing this show tonight? So, uh, so pretty much with you for the next three hours, uh, would love for you to hang out where I'm calling it, um, the, the, the listen party, uh, for the game tonight. And so we'll keep you posted on top of everything, stats, home runs, strikeouts, all the good stuff. We'll be talking about it. We'll open up the phone lines, chime in. In between the game, we're going to hear from Rich Samini in the first hour at 7.30, Jordan Renan in the second hour at 8.30. Why? Well, uh, you've got the NFL and, of course, training camps open up, and uh, they're in full effect. So we're going to get a training camp preview from both Jordan Renan and Rich Samini tonight as well. In between everything baseball. All right, so let's break it down because we've got, what do we got? Six minutes before first pitch. This is how I'm playing it, guys. You ready? Take notes. Uh, I'm going with the Mets on the money line at minus 105. Why? Well, big news, Stanton on the 10-day IL because of Achilles tendinitis. So um, that's, a now listen, ever since the All-Star break, dude really has not been doing well. He's 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts. Uh, since the all-star break. So, uh, you know, uh, could, could this, could this lineup be bolstered just because Stanton has been struggling since the break? Absolutely. Uh, LeCastro now has been called up from AAA as opposed to Andujar. I know that's trending on social media right now. A lot of Yankee fans out there upset, disappointed, angry that Andujar was not called up. However, look at the stats. The stats don't lie. Okay. LeCastro, 25 at-bats, 10 runs, 2 home runs, 4 RBIs. And Duhar, 49 at-bats, 0 home runs, 7 run, 0 home runs, 7 runs, and 4 RBIs. The stats don't lie. I know that there's a lot of Yankee fans who are in love with Andujar. I get it. But, um, it, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like LeCastro is that much more horrible than Andujar. In fact, the stats say otherwise. Uh, Montgomery, as we know, he is winless in his last six appearances. However, the Mets struggle against lefties. Uh, 22nd in Major League Baseball with a 2-3-9 ERA. Meanwhile, Walker, uh, he's, he's just unbelievable at home. 6-0 at home, a 1-5-0 ERA. He's got a 1-8-9 ERA in his last 19 innings in July. And um, he's got a 15% ground ball rate. Also, the wins tonight at City Field are gusting. Okay, that's a little drama queen. They are blowing uh, towards right center. Therefore, what does that mean? Uh, right-handed batters are going to have a hard time. A little extra battle against the wind elements at City Field tonight. So with that, I'm going with the under... At eight, and you could get that at minus one twenty. Oh, somebody likes that. I hear that. So as of right now, what are the bets that are in? Got the Mets 
on the money line at minus 105. I've got the under at eight at minus 120. Also, I'm going first inning under one run. I'm saying that neither ball club is going to put up a run in the first inning. And you could get that at minus 125. That's how I'm playing the game. In regard to home runs, why not, guys? Let's throw some money on Judge. Uh, Judge, 19 at-bats lifetime against Walker. Four home runs, two, I'm sorry, four hits, two home runs. So why not? You get Judge to hit a home run tonight at plus 240. You can get him to have over one and a half hits, which is two hits at plus 180. I'm on both of that. I'm going to be rooting for Judge tonight. On top of that, Walker, pay attention, Jake. I'm going under. Four and a half strikeouts for Walker. Why? He's dealing with a shoulder and a knee injury. I think Walker's going to be pulled sooner than expected. I think we're going to see the Mets bullpen who's rested because both the Yankees and the Mets had off yesterday. So I'm going under four and a half strikeouts for Walker tonight. You get that at minus 110. And just for poops and giggles, I'm throwing this in. Extra innings tonight, guys. Extra innings at plus 650. Why the hell not? (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. So, so out of all, so out of all those, this is, this is what I, this is all my, this is all my action. Okay. This is all my action on the, on the subway series game tonight with all that. What, what's the one bet Jake you most agree with? What's the one you most disagree with that you're willing to wager a bottle of wine with me on? Is this a rhetorical question? Because you know which one I disagree with as a Yankees fan. I'm not going to say the Mets are going to win the game tonight, even with Stanton out. Again, that's the big news of the day. He's placed on the 10-day IL. A lot right. of Yankees fans thought this was coming after he rested the last couple of days. But unfortunately, again, we see Stanton on the IL. What were you going to say, Anita? No, I was just going to say, what, is there is there one you know is there well, one bet out like so you maybe Sh- maybe you think Walker maybe you think Walker is going to have more than four and a half strikeouts. Well, I'm I don't gonna, know. Maybe maybe you don't think Judge is going to hit a home run for, tonight. For, I don't. for the bottle of wine, I definitely want to go. You go Mets, and I go Yankees. I think that's the best way to go. But for the judge, okay, but here but here's but here's the thing. Here's yes. the thing. Yankees minus one and a half. That means I get one and a half runs. But what is what, plus uh, is. So is, you're taking is, Mets plus one and a half on the run line. So I have to basically have the Yankees win by no, two. No, 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 no. I'm taking no. I'm taking the Mets on the on, the Mets on the money line is minus one hundred five. Okay. If I take them on the run line, it's minus one seventy five. I'm not laying. I, I don't like to lay that. So we're. Just I think going the st- I think the Mets. I think the Mets are going to win straight up. I think they're going to. I, so I think they're going to win straight up. You take the Mets and I take the Yankees, and that'll be our okay. bottle of wine for the Judge bet. I mean, you you know I love Aaron Judge, but. Mm-hmm. You're right. It seems like he hits a home run every game. I saw this stat before. He ha- obviously has 37 home runs, but he's played in 94 of the 97 games that the Yankees have played this season. It doesn't seem like that because every time he takes a day off, we get hundreds of calls of fans like, what's going on? But Judge is still on a historic pace. He's on pace right now going into tonight for 64 home runs, which would be the most in a season since 2001 when Barry Bonds hit a record 73 home runs. So it would also be the fifth most home runs ever in a season. So Aaron Judge hitting a home run tonight. Anita, I love it. I mean, he hits a home run almost every night, it seems like. Um, And so that's at plus 240. Again, I'm also taking the over one and a half hits for Aaron Judge at plus 180. 
So, uh, so that's how I'm. That's how I'm playing the game tonight. We will stay on top of all those wagers. Hopefully, uh, those folks out there, you've got your BetMGM app, whatever app you are uh, traveling around with, and you're able you're able to get those wagers in, and you could play along with us, cheer with us, root with us uh, throughout the ball game tonight. But uh, again, um, you know, outside the, the gambling angle, you know, guys, this is a really, really interesting matchup. Like I said, Montgomery winless in his last six. But both these lineups do not do particularly well against each pitcher. Again, my biggest concern for Walker, and, and, I, and I just kind of shared with you exactly you know, how great he's, he's been, especially at home, but he is dealing with a shoulder and knee issue. And so I, I, just, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know if he goes six. I don't know if he gets pulled before you know, five innings. We'll see what happens. Um, as we know, uh, the Yankees' bullpen better statistically than the Mets, but of course they just lost Michael King. So, uh, you know, what is, what is that state? You know, what does that stand? How does that stand for them heading into this, this matchup in regard to whose bullpen will outshine one another? Again, I, I do believe with Stanton out of the lineup, you know what you get with Stanton. He's just been incredible this season, but unfortunately since the all-star break, he has been, as I like to call it, no bueno. That's for sure. Um, but again, before we take a break, I just want to share with you. So the Mets struggle against left-handed pitchers. Again, their their batting average is 239, 22nd in Major League Baseball. Against Montgomery, Pete Alonso 0 for 5, Marte 1 for 3, Escobar 2 for 6 in their careers against Montgomery. As for Walker, Donaldson 2 for 12, DJ 7 for 25, Rizzo 0 for 10 against Walker, Torres one for five. And as I said, uh, Aaron Judge, who's up right now with uh, one out, um, 19 at-bats against Walker in his career, four hits and two home runs. So, you know, that's why another reason why I liked playing the under tonight, that's for sure. All right, quick break. We come back. We'll take your calls, 800-919-3776. Again, keep you on top of uh, every aspect of this Subway series tonight. Uh, statistics, uh, stats, all of that stuff. Uh, and uh, But when we come back, there's some news pertaining to the Mets. As we get closer to the trade deadline, uh, there's, uh, there's a potential trade deal that might be in place uh, with the Cubs. We'll dive into that next when we get back. Anita Marks with you on this Tuesday night here on 98.7 ESPN. We've got a score. <laughs> How about that? Man, Aaron Judge. Goes your... That's right. Uh, so, man. <laughs> so, right there, 1-0. Aaron Judge puts the Yankees up. And so, uh, Aaron Judge home run hits at plus 240. Now, keep in mind, I had... Zero runs in the first inning at minus 125. So I lost there, but getting the plus 240, those were some good odds. So I'm more than even right now. But it got even better, Yankee fans. Not only did Aaron Judge go yard. But Rizzo went yard! Get crazy! (laughs) Um... And really impressive considering that Rizzo heading into this game was 
0 for 10 against Walker. Crushes it. Goes yard. See ya. As Michael K likes to say. Goes yard. Uh, and this is the 14th back-to-back home run for the Yankees this season. And Jake, did you say this is a major league record? Is that no, what, is so that what I heard you say? That is the most for the Yankees in a single season. And we just passed the All-Star break. It seems like this Yankees team is breaking a lot of franchise records and they still have you know a couple of months left of baseball to play so this team is on a historic pace now the thing that's a little scary not to be pessimistic after a back-to-back belly-to-belly but I mean I've been loving this Derek Jeter documentary and I'm not going to spoil anything but one line that they've used in the commercial that Joe Torre said which is a great line this 1998 team that we saw that was so great once they got to the postseason, every, everyone starts at zero. So as great and as amazing as this regular season has been for the Yankees, although the last couple of weeks we've seen Severino go down, Stanton has now been placed on the IL, so it's kind of not the perfect season. But once you get to the postseason, everyone starts back at zero, and the Astros are right on the Yankees' tail, which to your point before, these games are really important for both teams, not just the Mets who have the Braves, breathing down their back but for the Yankees you want that home field advantage in the playoffs especially against the Astros a team in the past have done pretty sketchy stuff at their home field so yeah this game is important for both teams every game is really important for both teams the rest of the way so uh now it's the Mets opportunity bottom of the first uh to try to put some runs on the board Nimmo uh he's Bats leadoff, as we know, he's been struggling as of late. Very similar to Stanton, has been struggling since the All-Star break. Then you've got Marte, Lindor, Alonzo. Um, of course, we round out with Escobar, McNeil, Davis, um, and we will keep you posted. 800-919-3776. Let's go to our calls. Uh, is it is it Cullum? Cullum? Am, am I pronouncing that properly? It's Cullum in the Cullum? Bronx. Cullum. Cullum's a Cullum, good Cullum. 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 Cullum in the Bronx. What's up? I knew Jake would get my call, my name right. That's my guy. What's going on, Anita? How are you? Good evening. I'm good. Well, you hit the nail on the head. It only took one at bat for Judge to hit that home run. I mean, unfortunately, you missed, you missed a second bat. But, but hey, you, know, you win some, you lose some. That's the name of the game, right? Yeah, like I said, you know, I had no runs in the first. Like I, I, I was, I was rooting for Judge to hit a home run. I just wasn't expecting it to happen. Like you know, at his first at bat in the first inning yeah. that's for sure but nonetheless i'm still up you know plus two tw- plus 240 i got that with judge with his home run nonetheless um are what are you yankees mets what what side are you on i'm a i'm a i'm a diehard yankees fan and um the point i was going to make was what they plan on doing what i hope they do coming up on the uh trade deadline i know there's mm-hmm. a lot of talk about i lo- personally love andrew benatendi coming in I know there's a lot of talk about, oh, he's not vaccinated and other people have other different concerns and stuff like that. But he's a guy who bats over 300. And the worst case scenario, the Yankees rest people anyway. He misses, I think there's only one more series left in Toronto. It's not the end of the world if, you know, Stanton, Matty, uh, Matt Carpenter and Judge are your outfield for three days and he sits on the bench. That, does, that doesn't really change anything. So I think that would be a phenomenal pickup, and it's so unfortunate that they lost King. I think they need to go out and get another bullpen arm. 
I'm not concerned about the starting pitching because for the last five years getting into the playoffs, it's never been the starting pitching that's the issue. It's always the bats that gone cold every single year. We need to get a guy like Ben Attendee who can consistently break up the lineup and give you a 300 hitter that's going to get things going. Uh, this is and, and thank you for the phone call. Uh, re- really do appreciate it. That's what I want to do. I just I, I want to look at I want to look at the Yankees schedule, remaining schedule, uh, because you know I, I think you make a, a really really good point um, in in regard to um, I, I just want to see how many games they have left against Toronto. So uh, mm, I'm looking here. I know they've got a few games against Toronto here at home. They've got three games in Toronto, September 26th through the 28th, and that's it. That's, I mean, that's that's really it. Um, so you know the the whole and 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 I, I don't I don't I don't know what his uh, I don't know what his contract situation is, and and what that would entail. But in, in regard to to this season, there's just three more games in Toronto that he would not be able to participate in September 26th to 27th and 28th. That's about it. So the big thing, Anita, with Benintendi is his contract is up after this year. So okay, how, so how, yeah, so how much do, so what, do, would the Yankees want to give up for a guy that you most likely are going to be having for only half a season? So that's really the main question where in comparison, the other guy that every Yankees fan, and I know I've talked with you about it with Juan Soto, you have that guy who is a lot better than Benintendi, but you also have him for several years. So that's why with a guy like Benintendi, you can obviously get him for a lot less than a guy like Soto or another person that you might have under control for a couple more years. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and, and listen, you, you can't com- compare. I don't think you can compare anyone to Soto. Uh, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, like Mike Trout and Aaron Judge, basically. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And, and, and in regard to Soto and, and you talk about his contract, right? I think he's making like 17 this year and then, and then, you know, arbitration, I, I think that jumps up to like 21, 23 next year. And then somewhere around 27, 28, the following year. And then of course, uh, you know, whatever deal is, is to come, I wouldn't be surprised. Eventually will be the highest paid uh, player in major league baseball. If his on-base percentage continues to be that of, uh, the wonderful and fabulous Ted Williams. So, uh, but let's do this, guys. Let's take a break. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. That's how you get on board. Also, uh, throughout the show, we're going to keep you posted on this game, and we're going to throw in a little NFL because training camps are in full effect. So we've got Rich Samini, who's going to be joining us next. We'll do a little Jets preview for you, getting you ready. What's What, what can we expect in the next month to come? What are going to be some of the battles per se, that we will see. What are some of the things that we need to keep an eye on uh, throughout as we get ready, heading into, of course, uh, you know, early to mid-September when uh, the regular season does start. And also we'll have Jordan Renan as well, who's going to be joining us at 8.30. So a little Jets and Giants preview uh, that we're going to weave in throughout our Subway series listening party. I guess that's... I guess that's what we're calling it tonight. Anita Marks with you on this Tuesday night here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Without further ado, we've got Rich Samini who joins us. Rich, you know when you get a text message from me asking you to be on the show. You know, man, football season's here, my friend. 
Yes, it is here. We start tomorrow, uh, first Jets practice, and uh, thank you for reaching out. It's always good to talk football with you, Anita. Oh, I love I love having you on. You and Jordan, both of you do such a phenomenal job, of course, covering your select teams. So uh, let's dive into all the storylines, right? And uh, and, and I, I, I so uh, encourage people to log on to ESPN.com, NFL, go to Jets, and, of course, see Rich all of Rich's work up there on that Jets site. So first and foremost, it's all about Zach Wilson, right? Like uh, really not so fabulous rookie season. Um, bottom of the barrel in regard to pretty much all quarterback statistical categories last season. So he's going to have to make a huge jump this year. Rich, how does he do it? Uh, well, I mean, he can start with uh, being more accurate. I mean, his p- completion percentage last year – I think it was about 53%, which, uh, as everybody knows, that is far below the NFL standard. He's got to raise that at least 12 points, which is going to be difficult to do. That would be a massive jump, but it's got to be done if you want to be a winning quarterback in this league. And I think just from looking at the short-term view, training camp, you know, preseason games, I don't think we're going to get a lot out of the preseason games. Uh, I mean, look at last year, for instance. Zach looked terrific in the preseason games. He played against second stringers. He wasn't blitzed, and he, and he wasn't even touched. So I think we'll learn more about Zach in these joint practices that are coming up in a couple of weeks against the Giants and against the Falcons. He'll probably see some more looks that he hasn't seen before. That he, He'll see more in those practices than he will in the preseason games. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, like you said, it's all about Zach. So much of this season hinges on him. Um, you know, in, in regard to the, the offseason um, I don't even know how I would describe it, right? Like, um, off-season drama. You know, how, how did? And, and I know he kind of went to social media and kind of made light of it. Uh, you know, it's so, to me, Rich. It's so important to keep that stuff on the like away, especially being uber focused and knowing just how much better he has to get. Um. You know, I, I, I like. Does does he have a, a, a real good support system around him here, enabling him to do that? Like, who's in the quarterback room? Who's his quarterback coach? You know, like what, like what, what support system is around him to really keep him focused um, and and eye on the prize this season? I have no idea what you're referring to, Anita. Can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cougar, Rich Cougar, meow. How's that? <laughs> well, he played for he played for BYU. BYU are the Cougars. Uh, you know. Oh, that was a good one, Rich. <laughs> look, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is. A, I, I really don't think this is a story. I mean, obviously, it went viral on social media, right? Uh, because because that's what happens on social media. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't even know if he'll be asked about it tomorrow. To me, it's not. I mean, it, it is juicy for the you know tabloid consumer but in terms of football i really don't think it's relevant um he's got a good support system i mean even in the quarterback room that's one of the reasons you know joe flacco's around because he's such a good mentor to these young quarterbacks um i i think people in the building are probably having more laughs about it than than anything else and this is going to die i thought he handled it really well with that tweet uh, from the uh, Jets, uh, they had that camp out in Idaho, and, and he tweeted from there. I, I thought that was a good way to handle it. 
Again, Rich Samini joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's talk about his offensive line. A battle brewing. I, I read somewhere today what Becton has like a is it is it a uh, a nutritionist or a workout coach or something who is uh, saying that he's in the best shape that he's been in. You know, I'm sure you can't wait to see him tomorrow. But uh, you know what what's what's the situation with Becton and that battle that's going to take place with him and Fant? Well, yeah, I reached out to his personal nutritionist uh, late yesterday, early this morning, and uh, just to check in. And she gave me a. Re- she said he has quote slimmed down a lot. Mm-hmm. End quote. So that's encouraging. It also tells us that uh, when when one slims down a lot, it tells us that his weight was pretty high, at, which we already knew. I mean, we knew that mini camp about six weeks ago that his weight was too high, and the Jets were clearly not happy. But uh, from everything I've gathered from people inside the building, they are very happy with the way he showed up recently. He's been in, in town for, for a few days or at least a week. It's not just he just didn't show up today. Uh, and they've had a chance to look him over and weigh him. And he passed his physical today, so he's off the pup list. He can practice tomorrow. He looked good in the picture that the Jets posted, which is probably the first picture they posted of Mekhi Becton in probably almost a year so that in itself is telling that the Jets now are posting pictures of him. So, uh, yeah, everything looks good for Makai. He's just got to stay healthy, and he's got to keep the weight off. Um, this offensive line, where, where, if they were to reach their potential, Rich, where would you rank them? Well, I mean, if Makai Becton stays healthy throughout the year, uh, it has a chance to be a pretty good offensive line. Uh, you know, they brought in Lakin Tomlinson. I think he and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker are going to form a really good guard tandem. Uh, Connor McGovern is he's adequate at center. And, you know, George Fant did a pretty good job at left tackle last year. It'll be interesting to see how they use the tackles. I, I suspect that Fant and uh, Becton will probably be battling at left tackle. I don't think that battle will go on too long. I mean, they have to settle on a line pretty soon. You don't want to take the entire preseason to pick your offensive line for continuity's sake. So uh, I, I suspect it could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if Beckton stays at left tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if George Fant is the left tackle. But, it, you know, if all those five guys stay together, you know, they could have a, you know, a top half of the league offensive line, you know, maybe top 10, top 12 offensive line. And they're, if they can run the ball this season, that will be the key. That'll be a big key for Zach Wilson. Let's talk about the weapons, Rich, that Zach Wilson is going to be working with. Um, I love Wilson, by the way. I just, you know, I would use the word shocked that Atlanta passed up on him. I, I think he was one of the best players uh, in in the draft coming out. So I, I just, I think that's the fact that he fell to the Jets is just unbelievable. Of course, then you compound that with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. Uh, I love the one-two punch in the backfield with Bryce Hall and, and Carter. A lot of people loving in fantasy football. You know, Rich, I'm big with fantasy football. A lot of people loving Bryce Hall, saying you absolutely positively have to get him on your fantasy roster. So talk about the weapons and the tools and the skill position players that Zach Wilson's going to be working with. And better tight ends, too. The huge improvement in the tight end room, getting C.J. Uzama, who was activated from the pup list today, and Tyler Conklin. So the Jets have two uh, two pretty solid tight ends. It's something they have had, have not had in a long, long time. As Jet fans know, that's been kind of a black hole on the offense. So they can run this West Coast offense the way it's drawn up, which is 
being able to attack all different areas of the field with tight ends, receivers, and back. Brees Hall is a really good receiver, too, coming out of the backfield. So that's something to keep in mind for fantasy players. And it's a much better supporting cast for Zach Wilson than last year. They are very young, though. And I don't think Jet fans should expect this group to come out flying early um, because they play a tough schedule. One, and four out of their five top skill players out of the running backs and tight ends are first or rookies or, or second-year players. So there's going to be growing pains for sure with some of these young guys. I, you know, Garrett Wilson, I agree with you, Anita. I think he's going to be really good. Just going to take a little bit of time. Same with uh, Brees Hall. And, of course, Zach Wilson is still going through his growing pains. So on paper, it looks very promising down the road. There's just going to be some transition that could lead to some, uh, some growing pains. Um, I read in your article today that you're anticipating uh, Mims to be traded. Is that going to be before regular season game one? Like, how do you think this is going to play out? Well, uh, just to uh, provide the proper context, part of the assignment from our editors was to uh, make a bold prediction for training okay. camp. So okay. my bold, bold prediction was going to be that the Denzel would get traded before the regular season. And, uh, you know, I... Is it possible they will keep him? Certainly. He had a really good spring. You know, he came into camp in really good shape. It was his first healthy offseason, his first healthy coming to training camp. A year ago at this time, he he lost 15 pounds last year because he ate some bad salmon and got food poisoning. And that really messed him up for the entire summer and probably into the beginning part of the year. But, you know, there's hope. But the key with Denzel is it's obviously not physical ability. It's just it's more mental, being able to grasp the offense, playing with a sense of urgency, learning the different receiver positions, stuff that he had not done in the past. The sense I get from talking to coaches is that he's showing more of an inclination to do that. So who knows? Maybe he'll have a great training camp and he'll stick, but I don't see him being as part of the receiver rotation because they are pretty loaded there at receivers. So he, he might be a, he might be like a third or fourth string wide receiver for the Jets, and that's why I think at some point you know, and he may even want a change of scenery if that's the case as well. Again, Rich Samini joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Uh, you know, one thing I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this: like more money has been placed on the Jets over five and a half wins than any futures bet out there right now in the NFL. I'm actually fading them for a number of reasons. One, you talked about the schedule and the fact they have to play the the AFC North the first four weeks of the season is just beyond me. But on top of that, I mean, Rich, let's, let's, let's try to guess here how many rookies slash second year players are going to be in starting positions. Of course, Sauce Gardner, Johnson, of course, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm estimating anywhere between 10 to 13 players, starters, that are either going to be rookies or second-year players. That's a really young roster in the NFL. Yeah, very young. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Sauce Gardner, their nickelback, Michael Carter the second, uh, a second-year player, you know, up front, Jermaine Johnson. Um, the rest of the group is, is fairly uh, – you know, Michael Clemens they drafted this year at a Texas A&M. I'm not sure he's going to be able to get into the rotation because they're so deep on the defensive line. But on the offensive line, Vera Tucker, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Brees Hall, I mean, Garrett Wilson. It is a very, very, like I said, young team that's just going to take time. 
it's just not going to happen overnight. And I think the fans need to be patient. You mentioned the schedule. Baltimore is an extremely tough first opponent for the Jets. They play so much man-to-man. They have a, a Pro Bowl secondary. So all of a sudden you're putting your young receivers and your young quarterback against a very good defense. Um, the Jets saw a lot of man-to-man coverage late last season, and they got to figure out ways to, to come up with man beaters, you know, because they're going to keep on seeing a lot of man coverage until they start beating it, until guys start winning on the outside and Zach Wilson can make the, the accurate throws. So you're right. I, I know the money's on the over. A lot of people betting the over five and a half. I, I picked them to have seven wins. Uh, so I think they'll have a stronger second half of the year. Uh, before I let you go, we got to talk about the defensive side of the ball and, and what your expectations are for them there. Well, they got to be better, right? I mean, they, they were 32nd <laughs> in pretty much every category last year. So I, I think the secondary will be much improved. Uh, I mean, now they have professional players back there like DJ Reed, uh, you know, Jordan Whitehead, you know, they got from Tampa was a good pickup. And then you have, uh, you know, you have Bryce Hall coming back. You have Sauce Gardner. So suddenly the secondary looks a lot better. I think free safety is still a question mark. LaMarcus Joyner is, you know, penciled in right now. But, you know, I think he could get uh, pushed by Ashton Davis. Uh, so that, that area is a little bit unsettled. I think that might be an area the Jets could be looking around for some help. But, uh, yeah, they'll be better on defense. They are extremely deep on the defensive line. I mean, they could have, you know, they have nine or 10 legitimate guys who could make the roster on, on the defensive line. And uh, so the, the key of course is Carl Lawson. We haven't even mentioned Carl Lawson. He was their big ticket free agent from a year ago and he got hurt and he's coming back and uh, you know, it'll be exciting to see what he can do. Again, Rich Cimini joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. So, you know, Rich, you're heading out there tomorrow, of course. Uh, what are some – and I never like to ask my guests questions that I don't think they have answers to, so I apologize, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, you know, do you know any of the dates out there that Jets fans could head out? You know, it's been a while since COVID. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting more, more and more into that normalcy society of uh, being able to go out and, and attend camp. Do you know any of those dates? I think the Jets have – seven open practices and i believe they have first open practices on this saturday um tomorrow and thursday and friday are closed to the public and those are going to be really light practices you know with the cba rules teams uh have very specific uh rules about ramping up for for actual real practices so it's almost going to be like tomorrow is going to be like a basically an ota practice no pads, of course, for the first, first few days. But I think Saturday is the first time fans can get in and see for themselves uh, what's happening around the Jets. Fantastic. Rich, I always appreciate you. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, of course, uh, we'll reach out to you quite often this football season as always. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, thanks, Edita. Take care now. You got it. Rich Samini joining us. Nice little preview of uh, what to expect this uh, this this preseason, this training camp, as the Jets get ready for uh, for of course regular season game one, and uh, pretty amazing. Like marinating that for a second, the most bets that sports books have taken is the Jets over five and a half wins. Rich Samini says he's got them at seven. I don't see it. I want to take a look at the schedule in the break. We'll come back. Also, uh, the Mets now are up four two. 
in the game. We come back, I'll tell you how they were able to do that. Also, uh, Yankees making some noise here at the top of the second. <laughs> There's no way that this under eight is going to hit. I mean, this is just, this is, this is batting practice for these two teams here in this game one of this Subway series. Uh, we'll get you up to speed when we get back here on 98.7 ESPN. Cougar! Meow! Right now, it is, uh, it, it is it is top of the third. Uh, the Mets are up 4-2. How did it happen? Well, uh, Gardo Escobar. I'm going to tell you. Uh, Gardo <laughs> so, Escobar. Pretty much. So, um, so Alonzo, Pete Alonzo had a, so Lindor, as we know, um, had a, had a double. Alonzo had an RBI, had brought Lindor in. Uh, and then Escobar had a two-run home run that brought him and obviously Alonzo in. So it was Escobar with a two-run home run. That's what helped them get to 4-2. So where does it stand right now? Montgomery, uh, after two innings pitched. Hold on, I've got to refresh. I don't think this is, okay. Uh, four hits, four runs, one strikeout, two home runs he's given up. Walker, two innings pitched, four hits, two runs, zero strikeouts. Two home runs. Uh, so where do we sit with our wagers? I've got the Mets on the money line. Uh, Jake, that's looking pretty good right now. Um, I have the under eight. That is not looking good right now because we've got a total of six runs in just two innings. Who knew this was going to be a Pee Wee Pop Warner Little League game? Um, I have um, Walker under four and a half strikeouts. He has zero so far, so that's looking pretty and also, again, just for poops and giggles, I played extra innings at plus 650. So anyway, that's where we're at right now. 4-2, top of the third. Uh, and so what's up with your game, Jake? All right, so Jacob was able to win the game, and I'm hoping you are too. So here's how we play. I'm going to play three Uh-oh. sound effects, okay? There's going to be mm-hmm. two real cats and one fake one. Can you tell me which one is the fake one? <laughs> The last one's the fake one. Are you sure? Wait, let's listen to that one more time. Meow. Are you? That last one sounds like a real cat to me. Are you sure? That might be the most realistic cat out of the three. Meow. (laughs) And that would be me. Meow. (laughs) You're funny, dude. You guys are funny. That's a funny meow, is it? Is that your... Is that your game? Is that your game? Is that really your game? All right, meow. <laughs> Hurry up, meow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Before we take a break, uh, we teased this earlier and we didn't get to it for a number of reasons. Uh, meow. But right now, the Mets. The re- stop. Right now, the Mets uh, reports out there is that uh, they are in deep conversation with the Cubs for Wilson Contreras, of course, their 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 catcher. Um. For a number of reasons. Uh, he hits well against left-handed pitchers. He also has a 3-7-4 on base percentage. And also, it doesn't stop there with their catcher. It's also their closer, David Robertson, who's got uh, 14 saves on the season for the Cubs. 
33 postseason outings. And oh, by the way, he is already sporting a World Series ring. So how great would it be to add him to uh, this bullpen? And you've get like you get you get like a Robertson slash Diaz one two punch. Uh, for the remainder of the season, that would be nice. Also, there's a report out there that uh, the Mets are in conversation with the Angels for Otani. I, I know that uh, the-, the Mets have been linked with the Washington Nationals. But guys, let's be honest. Is the Washington Nationals really going to trade uh, Juan Soto to a division rival? No. Absolutely not. Uh, I, will- I know. I just, I just don't, I don't see it happen. I will hope that they do it, but you know, that's just me being an optimistic Mets fan. Yeah, and um, and don't forget, you know, uh, you've got, you've got the, the the Mets general manager was was part of the Angels and was really instrumental in bringing Otani in and signing him with the Angels, and so apparently Otani very tight with um with the Mets front office. So we'll see how that develops. But um, so so just some names as we are. I'm, I want to look at the schedule. I want to look at the, the so we've, we're one, two, three, four, five, six. We're, we're a week away, guys. We're a week away from the trade deadline. And so we're going to hear a lot of rumors. We're going to hear a, a, a lot of players being associated with a number of teams. And, um, you know, I, I, and I, I, I want to, I want, I'm trying to remember who we had. I think it may, it may have been Rich Catino. There was a, there was somebody that we had on the other day that was just talking about, this is a new day and a new age in regard to Major League Baseball because more teams are eligible to make it to the postseason. And there's a lot more parity, for whatever reason, there's a lot more parity in, in Major League Baseball. So you're not seeing the disparity, the, 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 you know, the immense disparity of buyers and sellers like we have for years past, right? Like there was that line of demarcation, like you knew there were a plethora of teams that were like, look, we have no shot to make it to the postseason. We have no, we're like, so we are just, we're, it's, it's a fire. Like there were a number of teams that were just like, it's a fire sale. Like for example, the Orioles, for example, and maybe it was, I'm sorry, maybe it was Rock Kubako who we had on. Right. And, and I just want to call up the standings here for a second. And even though the Orioles are 17 and a half games behind the Yankees, they're 48 and 48 right now. They're at 500. And so, you know, when you look around Major League Baseball and you look at teams that very well could get in as a wild card, the Orioles are still alive <laughs> and, and could do it. So, you know, that's a team that maybe years past would be, you know, absolutely sellers at the trade deadline. But we, again, we had Rakubako on in that Yankees Orioles series, and he said, slow your roll not so much they might be buyers this year just hoping that they could sneak in make a good run the second half of the season and try to get in to the postseason this year so just just a different vibe a different element a different feel as we get closer to the trade deadline on august 2nd quick break we come back we kick off hour two here on 90.7 espn Jordan Renan, who's going to be joining us in about 30 minutes. Uh, we heard from Rich Samini a little bit earlier with a Jets training camp preview. We're going to hear from Jordan Renan with a Giants training camp preview coming your way at 830. So excited about that. Uh, Anthony Rizzo up. So top of the order uh, back in action. Unfortunately, uh, Aaron Judge could not repeat what he did um, his first go around, which, uh, of course, was a, a solo home run 
Uh, but nonetheless, again, uh, Mets up four two right now uh, in this game. Um, I, let, let's let's. I, I just want to circle back. Uh, I was uh, I was hosting last night. We were talking about uh, some NBA and, and predominantly the show. We were talking about the Nets and KD, and and I just want to go back and, and touch on this because I know that Jay will. If you listen to the morning show, he was talking about it. The boys were talking about it earlier today. Uh, and, and just a, a refresher here. So uh, what we know is that the Boston Celtics reached out to the Nets inquiring about KD. Uh, what they offered, again, reports were Jalen Brown, who's 25 years old. He's got two years left on his deal, about $56 million. Not bad. Um, a package to send him to the Nets along with Derek White and some draft picks. Draft picks, 2025, 27, 29. Are they unprotected? Are they not? Uh, that, unfortunately, wasn't wasn't stipulated. Uh, but nonetheless, reports are that the Nets then rejected and countered with Brown and Smart, multiple draft picks, and another rotational player. So let's listen in. This is Jay Will, again on, on KJM, um, talking about... Um, how the trade with KD would impact the, the Celtics locker room. Golden State, their core has stayed together, even without Kevin Durant, finds a way to win a championship. They did it the hard way. They didn't take the easy way out. Everything we've talked about for the past several years with this team that's been to multiple Eastern Conference Finals just came off a world championship opportunity. They've done it the hard way. They built, they've molded to this point. Now you're telling me you're going to package up the heart and soul? We've said so much of this run. Jalen Brown's the attitude of this team. Marcus Smart was the heart of this team. I'm not then going to let that go in return for Kevin Durant. And I don't know how it's going to affect the way Jason Tatum is even leading the core of this team. The culture then gets reset well, and changes again. So it's really, really interesting because, uh, you know, and, and if you were listening to me throughout uh, the NBA postseason, you know that I was I was on the Boston Red Sox, uh, best Boston Red Sox, the Boston Celtics. Um, after their all-star break, I really liked the way that they were playing. And, and whenever you did watch them, whatever you heard about them was how their core, their unity, um, you know, that, that locker room, the chemistry inside it was, was really outstanding. Also, we, were here, we, we heard that Tatum and Brown had uh, a rough time for, for a minute. But we saw them really come together again after the All-Star break and offensively, they really gelled big time. So I understand where where Jay Will's coming from because I was hearing the same thing. And, and, you know, a lot of times when something's not broke, you don't want to mess with it. And when something is healthy, it's so hard. I think it's really, really hard for teams and organizations to, to have a really healthy locker room or a really healthy clubhouse. It's not as easy as one would think, right? You've got a lot of egos. There's a lot happening, you know, um, a lot of times when teams lose, uh, there's dissension, anger, resentment, finger pointing. A lot of that happens sometimes. Winning is the best deodorant. We've heard that before. But everything that was being reported is this Boston Celtics team was making a, a, a run in the postseason and then, of course, made it to the championship. And we know what happened. They lost to the Golden State Warriors was how, how the unity inside this clubhouse and how important it was, or this, this, this locker room. I'm sorry, I'm watching baseball and I'm talking NBA. That's what's really screwing me up. So 
I understand where, where Jay's coming from. Um, but you're talking about Katie. <laughs> you're talking about arguably the best player in the NBA. You're talking arguably about the best top 10 player ever to play the game. And uh, when you have that opportunity to add him to a roster to play alongside Jason Tatum, and when you look at teams around the NBA, there's only a few teams, a handful of teams that I honestly feel have the talent along with depth to offer what the Nets want and be happy, but still maintain a roster that is going to be good enough to compete and contend that's going to make KD happy when he does land. And I feel I just I feel that there's only two teams in all honesty and it's 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 the Boston Celtics and it's the Golden State Warriors. So uh, and and just and, and think of that for a second, right? You've got hypothetically speaking Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart as we know defensive player of the year. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, be careful because my sneezes come in multiple and sometimes it's nine. So just meow. Um, I, I, I forewarn you. You guys are never going to let me live that down, are you? Um, so so j- just hypothetically speaking, you've got Marcus, you, you've got Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Let's say they head here to the Nets along with, I don't know, another player. Maybe there's a third team that adds in another rotational player and multiple draft picks. Katie goes to the Boston Celtics with Tatum, but they still have Robert Williams, right? They still have Derek White. They still have Al Horford. Uh, they added Brogdon, by the way. Don't forget, they did that prior to any. So, I mean, that's a that's a really solid roster. And that's definitely a roster that I would wager potentially could win the East and represent the East, let alone win, it, win an NBA championship next year, okay? Meanwhile... You get Brown and Smart. You bring them here to Brooklyn. Brown and Kyrie are pretty tight. Okay? Brown is represented by Kanye West's uh, agency. And apparently there's, there's some rumors, there's some reports out there that Kyrie is thinking, considering leaving his agency and being represented by Kanye West as well. So, I don't know, does bringing Brown to the Nets make Kyrie say, you know what? I'll stay here for one more year. I opted in anyway. I'll stay here for one more year. And then after, after this year, I'll, I'll, I'll head out West and I'll go reunite with LeBron James out in LA with the Lakers. Does sending Brown here maybe change the mindset for Kyrie? Think about that Nets team with Brown and Smart and Kyrie and Ben Simmons. You'd have two of the best defensive players in the NBA on the same court. With smart and with smart and uh, and and Simmons, Ben Simmons. Sorry, Ben Simmons. And I and and I want to believe that that because I know that there are a few players out there that that can't happen to because Ben Simmons is on an extension from his his rookie deal. I'm just assuming that Brown and Smart are not part of that equation. I just just food for thought. I just I I re- I I really really do believe that that this could be something special for both teams where where if if that type of deal was to go down both teams could stay competitive uh, more from Jay Will in regard to why he would not do a deal that included Marcus Smart 
if I didn't have to give up Marcus Smart Correct. and it were Jalen Brown, Derek White, and draft picks, yeah. probably because I'm potentially going to lose Jalen Brown anyway. So Marcus If you Smart- paid attention to what Jalen Brown has said over the last several years, in particular when Isaiah Thomas was let go, he talked a lot about people in the front office wanted us to build the right culture around this team, and then they make a move like this, so I don't trust the culture. And there's been a lot of talk around Jalen Brown in 2024 being a free agent, not wanting to stay there in Boston. So if you're telling me it's Jalen Brown, Derek White, and some draft picks, yes, I'm heavily considering that. But adding Marcus Smart to the mix, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Interesting. What say you? 800-919-3776. I, I, think, I think a Brown Smart, and then you want to throw in Derek White with some draft picks to the Nets, sending Katie over to Boston, aligning him with Tatum, and um, Robert Williams and Al Horford and, and Brogdon. I, I, th- I, think, I think that's one of the very few deals that could keep everyone happy. And, and I think it makes sense. 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you. Uh, when we return, I'll get you up to speed on uh, the Subway Series right now. Bottom of the third. Uh, Mets are still up 4-2. More to come. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Without further ado, we're talking Giants. Jordan Renan joins us. Jordan, you know when you get a text message from me, you know that officially the NFL season's begun, right? That's right. It's, it's football season, Anita. Enough of this. I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm watching and I'm ready to uh, give up on baseball. Let's, uh, let's turn it over. Forward Stop to it. <laughs> Relax. I mean, come on. Yankees are 66 and 31. I'm ready to joke. give up on baseball. It was a joke. It was a joke. Team's 34 years. I know it's a 500. joke, but it's so it's so it's so Yankee fan typical. <laughs> it's so Yankee I mean, fan typical. Unbelievable. All right. All right, let's 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 break the Giants down. Okay? okay. And and as we both know, you know, majority of Giants fans just want to see Daniel Jones gone. Like, bye. Don't mm-hmm. let the door hit you on the button your way out. See, it's been nice, like, right off in the sunset with Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman. I am, I am, I, I am not a, a Daniel Jones um, defender, apologist. For me, jury's still out. This is what I'm trying to tell Giants fans. Let's see mm-hmm. what he can do with... A a general manager, a head coach, and an offensive coordinator who's going to give him something to work with. I'm not sitting here telling Giants fans that he's the end-all, be-all. I'm not sitting here telling Giants fans that he's the answer. All I'm saying is he's been sold a bag of lemons and and hasn't, hasn't even been able to make lemonade. Like, let's see what he can do this season. But but I'm sure you hear it as well, Jordan. Right? Like Giants fans, just like move on. Like they're done with you. Well, here's the here's the thing, Anita. Right now, like, what's the alternative? Like, do we really? What what's the use? Like, do, do we really? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Tyrod Taylor. What is that? What is, what does that do for you as a, as a, the future of the Giants and the Giants franchise? No, uh, to go listen. To Tyrod Taylor. I, I mean, right. So why not? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor knows this offense. He knows this offense. Like, like if you if you were to ask if you were to ask me, like, would can Tyrod Taylor win more games than Daniel Jones this season? Uh, you know, uh, Jordan, I might say yeah. I'm, I I might say just as many, if not possibly more. But 
to me, I would probably say no. It, by it's, the way. It, I would probably still okay. say no. That's, that's fair, that's but here to me, it's not about the wins and losses for the Giants this season. Let's be honest, okay? Exactly. I, they're, they're not going. They're not going anywhere. That's a, that's, that's, that's a moot point. Like, who who cares if they go seven and nine with Tyrod Taylor or six? Uh, sorry, you know, forget the seventh game. Seven and ten or with Tyrod Taylor and six and eleven with Daniel Jones. Like, see what you have with the quarterback, like you said. Exactly. I mean, there's a purpose. There's a purpose that if you think about it, Daniel Jones' best year was what his rookie year, right? You, we were everyone was optimistic. There was there was flashes of okay, this guy could be a really high end good quarterback. That was with Pat Shermer, right? And then the two then we had the two years with uh, you know that followed with uh, Jason Garrett, and and you know now we're sitting here we're saying okay, let's see what he could do going back with what we we know is a successful offensive uh, play caller and coordinator at least in, in what Brian Dable was now he's obviously the head coach but let's see what he could do now with him so yeah I mean that's what makes sense in the situation that's why every other alternative this offseason did not make sense for the Giants like going out and getting Russell Wilson or like all these big names or drafting a quarterback in a bad quarterback draft like none of that made sense for the Giants this is the move that made sense for the Giants because if you also think about it you know Joe Shane's taking over where did he come from, Buffalo? What did Buffalo do? They went, they spent a the year, actually, Tyrod Taylor was their quarterback, right? The first year that Brandon Bean was there. And then what did they do? Year two, they go and they draft their future quarterback in the draft, Josh Allen. And that's why that organization now is in a really good spot moving forward. Yeah, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that Tyrod Taylor is the answer for this organization. Far from it. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're a Giants fan and you're like, all about wins and losses this year, no, man, we, we can compete. Yeah, okay. Then, yeah, I can understand no. you being like, all right, no. Daniel, get out. Let's, but especially right, with right. what this organization has invested in regard to where they drafted Daniel Jones, you owe it to him to give him this season, give him this opportunity. And see what he can do. And and I listen. I'm rooting for him. I'm I'm rooting for Daniel Jones. I I hope he crushes it. And I'm I'm so so. Let's start right there in regard to the offense that you're anticipating mm-hmm. from the you know no. And, and and here's another thing, Jordan. I don't think enough people talk about Kafka. Right? Like he comes in from Kansas City. You know what Dable brings in from the Buffalo Bills. You know I know they've said this isn't a Bills offense. This isn't a Kansas City offense. It's going to be a Giants offense. But still, just those two minds together, I'm excited. And especially, again, you know, I talk about Daniel Jones. I think he's deceivingly athletic. And I think there's a lot that they can do with him. Yeah, it seems like when you talk to players that the offense is actually really a pretty good mashup of Buffalo slash Kansas City. And, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Davis Webb even told me, you know, know, he's, you know, put the quarterback's room on on a call with Patrick Mahomes, right? You know, because to talk about some things that they have in the playbook and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is a talented guy. He was drafted high for a reason, even though people don't think he should have been drafted six overall. Like, he was going to be a first-round pick, you know, the kind of guy. So there, that's because there is talent there. And if we get to see him with a quality supporting cast, I think we'll get a better indication now. Do the Giants have that? I guess that's still up for debate, especially if they can't keep their playmakers healthy. And that's really the key here, right, Anita? Like last year, none of those guys played. Uh, you know, the year before, Saquon was out for the year. The offensive line was has been a mess. I, I was counting it up today. I'm going to give them 2012. Like the offensive line rebuild really started in my mind in 2013. We're in year 
this is season 10 of the offensive line rebuild, Anita. Season 10. Well, that's because Jerry Reese gets enamored with athletic players. He doesn't get enamored, enamored as I like to call them, dancing bears. But nonetheless, well, before before, well, well, before Dave Gettleman didn't fix that either, Anita. <laughs> yeah, with his with his he hog mollies. To be honest with you, with his yeah, with his hog mollies. <laughs> All right, let, let's yeah. talk about the skill position players really quick, right? Like Galladay mm-hmm. uh, couldn't didn't see the fields. Paid as one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL and did nothing. Kadarius Tony reports on him is that there's a lot of immaturity there. Um, Shepard, mm-hmm. we know he's been dealing with a, a lot of injuries, migraines, um, you know, concussions. Be, serious Achilles. Being, right. being, being a big one. And also Dan, throw Daniel Jones in that equation as well. Like, you know, one of the, one, one of the biggest knocks on him is, is, you know, far from Eli Manning and, and, and having some health issues, especially towards the end of last season where we had heard that he was having some, some neck and back issues. But nonetheless, talk about the skill position players and what are you re- – like, are we going to see some more maturity from Kadarius Tony? Are we going to see um, Kenny Galladay really earn his keep? Like, you know, what, what, what can we expect from, uh, from this wide receiving core? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge question. Can these guys stay healthy? Because already you look at it this spring, Kadarius Tony had a knee procedure, so he was already out again this spring, right? Kenny Galli was out. Not He was in a red jersey. Maybe they were bringing him along slowly with some kind of leg problem, maybe some kind of tweak or something. Maybe it wasn't serious. But still, the fact that there's still something there and it's lingering, and he, he was out in the, in the spring doesn't make you feel overly confident about him. So, I mean, you really have to cross your fingers. And Sterling Shepard's coming back from a serious Achilles you know, tear, right? I mean, so what they get from this group is really a crapshoot right now. Uh, you just hope that Kadarius Tony. that's the one. Like, Anita, seriously, who do you even want on this Giants team for fantasy football? Like, the only one I was thinking about that I would even want on, want a roster. Robinson. Uh, you know, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, no, not even, because I, he's not even going to play enough. You know, we're talking about Wandell Robinson. There. I don't know. There's, I don't know. I think, I think, I don't know. I, I think he, I think he wins. I think he wins the third wide receiving spot. I think they trade Slayton. I think he wins the third wide receiver spot. Maybe, but then Shepard comes back. I mean, he comes back and he's in the rotation. I just think they'll be like rotating guys in and out, and and it'll be that kind of deal. So the opportunities don't don't thrill me there with him. It's it's Kadarius Tony to me, like the only one I would even want to take a shot on, because that upside is there. He has that talent. I had a former coach uh, on the Giants' former staff tell me he thought Kadarius Tony could be like his ta- talent wise, he could be the best receiver in the league, like literally the best receiver in the league, like. He could be up there with like Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, so what's okay, so what's wrong then, Jordan? Then what's 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 wrong? Where's the disconnect? He didn't play. I mean, he he, even when he played, he was in and out of the lineup. Just everything. There was so much stuff going on. Even he he wore the wrong size cleats in his first practice. He got COVID twice. Like there was just a lot of stuff going on. Now, can he stay on the field? That's going to be the question. He already had a knee procedure. Like. The, 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 that same coach had told me, uh, I said, would you keep him? And he said, like, I, I could trust him. Like, I know when he's there and he's at the facility, he's going to work and he's work hard. It's when he's away, when he's not there, when he's, when he's not around, like, he, you know, he wasn't sure if he could trust him. And, and I think that's, that's sort of the thing here. Okay, the Giants were in wait and see mode. Okay, we'll see if he's healthy when he gets back. We'll, we'll, you know, we, 
We get some reports, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And so the fact that he's not on the pup list to start training camp, I will say, should be taken as a positive right now, Anita. Let's talk about, again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN, uh, previewing uh, the Giants training camp uh, where things really start getting active and attractive uh, tomorrow. Uh, let's talk about this offensive line. Uh, my goodness, you got Evan Neal on one side, Anthony Thomas, Andrew Thomas on the other. Whoa. Uh, talk about some really great bookend tackles. And then, of course, addressing the interior of the offensive line through free agency. How good if it, how what what is the potential Jordan of this offensive line? Yeah, I mean, if Evan Neal is what they think he's going to be, and Andrew Thomas continues his ascension, I think then we're they're we're finally at the point where okay, this line is moving in the right direction. Like we could feel good about this line. Like they'll slap it together on the interior. Mark Lewinsky at least is a you know a proven NFL starting guard. Uh, John Feliciano they brought him into. Uh, be be their center. You know he's a guy who's played in this league as well, so you could feel good about it. I, the, for 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 once, I feel like there's a real chance that this is. I'm not going to say a good offensive line because it's a big jump right now, but that they're a serviceable, average offensive line. Uh, and and to say that going into a season is something you haven't said in a while. And I really have a hard time believing, after seeing the size of Evan Neal, the way he moves, his pedigree like a path to him busting out. I really do. It's like hard to look at that and be like, man, this guy might bust out, you know, and trust me, you know, you think about it. A lot of guys bust out. I know he's the seventh overall pick in, in the draft, but guys bust out all the time in the top 10. I mean, go look back at every draft known to mankind. It happens, but it's really hard seeing that. So you put him with Andrew Thomas and they finally have something that makes you feel confident. That makes you feel positive about what they have in the offensive line like i said it's been a long time anita 10 seasons it's 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 really unbelievable um uh, let's let's talk about saquon barkley right like hopefully finally healthy um excited to see what he can do this year again uh, you know uh, a lot of a lot of uh negativity around daniel jones but never really has had a great rushing game to compliment him to keep defenses honest what can we realistically expect from Saquon Barkley? And part two to that question is, what happens contract-wise? How much is on the line yeah. this season in regard to contract-wise for Saquon Barkley? First, let me say this. It's, it's kind of weird you, you mentioned Daniel Jones having Saquon Barkley. Think about this for a second. Daniel Jones really hasn't had a healthy Saquon Barkley for a significant period of time mm-hmm. since he became the starter. That's kind of the way the situation has gone with the Giants. Like Jones, when, when he started playing, that's when kind of not long after the Saquon injuries started coming along. So, uh, But this year, I mean, everything is on the line for him. You have to think about it. If he does not have a big year this year, that big contract that once maybe like two years ago seemed inevitable for him is gone, right? He knows that. He knows that. And you know what? When, I, when you talk to him, I get this feeling too. Like he's hearing doubters for the first time since he's basically been, you know, went to Penn State, right? There, there, he, he was, everyone was just kissing his butt, telling him how great he was. And it was for good reason, because he was, you know, dominating and playing at a super high level. But the last few years have been tough, mostly because of injuries, although last year when he played, he did not play well. He did not play well. There's no getting around that. But he's hearing the doubters for the first time in his, you know, professional collegiate career. 
and knows what's at stake. So this is a big year for him. And I think it's important to, to remember, Saquon Barkley last year at this time is still recovering from a knee injury. So your offseason is a lot different when you're recovering from a serious injury. This year, he got to train, you know, to get ready to play, not train to rehab. And there's a big difference in that. So I, I do expect to see a much better difference, Saquon Barkley, this year. Um, let's uh, let, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball, right? Wink, Wink Markindale, Martindale is now the defensive coordinator. As we know, he comes over from uh, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, of course, they go out, they draft Tibbs. Uh, some people think Tibbs is going to be one of the biggest busts uh, this year in the NFL. Some people think that he's going to be the end-all, be-all. What are your thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think there's a wide range of kind of thoughts on what Thibodeau is as a player. Some people definitely, when you talked to him before the draft, thought he was overrated. Obviously, then there's the contingent that, like, look, he was the number one prospect going into the season. He played through a sprained ankle. This guy has that first step. He could be a dynamite player. But he's a rookie this year, so we have to keep that in perspective. Like, if he has eight sacks as a rookie, you're like, okay, that's a pretty good year, right? I mean, you're you're not expecting, and it's not not you know an every year uh, situation where a guy comes in at uh, even no matter I don't care where he's drafted, even in the top five, and comes in in 15 sack season like that. That's almost unheard of, right? So, uh, but you pair him with Aziz Odilari, and at least the Giants seem to have, at the very least, two serviceable edge rushers. And it's been a while, Anita, since this defense had serviceable edge rushers. So, I mean, that gives them a chance. Now, their secondary is – that's what gives me a little cause for concern. I mean, the secondary is – Dory Jackson is your number one cornerback, which I think we could agree he's not a real, you know, number one cornerback. And then an unknown on the other side. And – Xavier McKinney, and then Julian Love, who's been more of a utility player. So you only have kind of like two proven starters. Uh, so that, that could be cause for concern. And if Wing Martindale can't get pressure on the quarterback, which is his specialty, but remember last year, you know, his secondary was so beat up that it got exposed. So you're just hoping that the Giants, with those two edge rushers, with Leonard Williams on the interior – Blake Martinez back in the middle. He, that's a huge piece for them. They, they really can't afford to lose. And we saw what happened last year when Blake Martinez went down. The defense kind of went down with it. That this can be a serviceable quality defense and be able to hold up and sort of mask the deficiencies that they probably have at the back end. But it's going to be all about that pass rush, Nina. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Again, I think you and I are, based on our conversation here, I think you and I are both on the same page here. It's not about wins and losses for the Giants this season. It's really to see, no. you know, is, 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 can Daniel Jones thrive in, in an offense uh, that gives him a chance? Um, and, and also to oh. take a look at, at some of the young and, and exciting talent um, that, of course, uh, this, this, this organization now has to work with. Uh, Jordan, so appreciate Seven your time. Well. You've got to be happy, right, Anita? Seven and ten, and you got to be happy if you're the Giants or Giants. Absolutely. Fans. Okay, we'll take that. Eight and nine. That's a, that's a really good season for this team. Nine and yeah. eight. That's that. As you you were ecstatic at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And and again and again, again like more like more importantly, you know, for me, I'm uh, I want to I'm I want to see what Daniel Jones does in an offense with Brian Dable and Kafka uh, and, and and with you really talent. want it to explode or or be explode or flop like in between is kind of the worst spot. 
Yeah, because the organization is then really not going to know what to do. Uh, Jordan, always appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy camp. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. You too, Anita. Have a great show. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.